This is American Dreams, the program where we interview thought leaders and entrepreneurs and bring their ideas to you in real world context. Hi, this is Alan Olson and welcome to American Dreams. Uh, my guest today is Jim Dimitriotis. Jim, welcome to today's show. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Jim, you have quite a, uh, you know, extensive background with some great successes and transitions along the way from uh, the career. And I'd like for the listeners for you to give a short timeline of your life and how you got to where you are today. Well, I'm a, a son of an immigrant. My father came over from Greece after World War II, uh, got a full ride at Bowdoin and MIT and Caltech, was a rocket scientist, got me into computers starting at nine years old at Caltech where he went and, uh, in 1971. And and I was very blessed to uh, have a father who uh, really said that computers were the future. Um, his best friend was a, a physicist by the name of Richard Feynman, Nobel Prize winner in physics. And uh, I'll never forget the day they called me into the living room and Dr. Feynman says, what do you want to do when you grow up, Jim? He, I said, I don't know, Dr. You should, you should go into physics because if you go into physics, you'll understand how the world works. My dad said, no, you should go into computers because if you go into computers, you'll control how the world works. And, and I was very fortunate in my uh, 20s to start a software company that became uh, the largest organically grown integration software company in the world. Well, that's quite a feat. The, and then the uh, that, that background also helped you along the way to uh, transition into other fields. Yeah, the the software was uh, my life from uh, the late 80s until uh, 2005 when I sold my software company to Sun Microsystems and Scott McNeely. And um, we had just had our third child. Uh, I didn't want to travel uh, as extensively as I had been. We were in 35 countries, so I was pretty much on the road 100%. And I looked at my wife and I said, you know, I want to stay home and be with the kids. So I uh, decided to do what all good Greeks do, it seems like, which is open up some hotels and restaurants. So we had some properties in Lake Tahoe and Mammoth and ski resorts. And we started them uh, ranked number 20 in the country, the landing in Lake Tahoe, um, ahead of uh, Meadowood and Napa Valley, I remember when we opened it and um, sold that, though, a few years ago because I started uh, a venture capital firm a few years after we got into the hotel business, really around uh, science. Uh, you know, it was a big problem I noticed in 08, 09 when the federal deficits were running uh, such large numbers. Think how big they are today. That funding of scientific research, I figured, would be under significant pressure. And I think, you know, the hegemony that we have here in the United States, the leadership position uh, that we've enjoyed for the last 70 years is really a function of the fact that we have incredible people, an incredible constitution, and incredible universities that educate and explore science and lead in scientific discovery. And I knew that China was a, a rising threat. And so the only thing you can do when you're faced with a country uh, where the leadership, the political leadership, steals. Uh, is you have to create a method to accelerate change. So the way to stay ahead of your competition, right, is always to advance faster than they do. 
And so uh, that's what Silicon Valley is built on, right? You become the gorilla and you have the revenue stream and the customer base and nobody can catch up to you. And that's the story of so many companies in Silicon Valley. And, and I think we need to maintain that sort of capability. And so we created a venture capital firm. It's a little, no, not a little, I think people say very unusual where we gift millions of dollars a year to scientists and their research, and we start companies based off of that research. So in terms of scale, how big is Keros Ventures? So uh, we have about 60 investments now um, that we've done over the last five years. Uh, we'll probably do, uh, with our next fund, another uh, 40 or so. And so we're really, in terms of market penetration, we have 16 of the top universities that we have focused on. Uh, that we've built those relationships over six years. We fly to those universities weekly. Um, and it's a lot of work, but, uh, but what it does is it gives us, I don't mean weekly, we just fly to them quarterly, uh, but different universities every week. And um, what's happened is we have, uh, some unbelievable invents, investments and, and helped create with these brilliant scientists some unbelievable inventions that are really exciting because it lets me realize how blessed we are as a people to live in this country and to have the brilliant science and university systems that we have and an infrastructure that supports it and gives us the freedom to build amazing technologies. And so um, um, it's just uh, uh, something that I think will eventually go to about a company a week to show you the scale of, of where we are. We're doing about a company a month. I think that's when we're finished with our process, we'll be investing in a new company every seven days. It's amazing the, the rate of change and how technology is uh, moving forward in the midst of this COVID uh, uh, pandemic. When you, um, with Carol's Ventures, so, and, and, and who are your partners on this? Are these other, you know, venture capitalists? Are they other scientists? Are they corporate, uh, you know, ventures? But, you know, they... it's a, it, it's been just us at the beginning, right? It, it was an idea that I had and, and, um, Kairos Ventures, and kairos is an ancient Greek word, and, and it means a perfect moment in time, a moment of synchronicity, and when things come together and something good happens. And um, it was a theory. And what we actually do is we gift millions of dollars a year to scientists around the country to fund research. And then if that research works, we then commercialize that research. We have first dibs, if you will, to uh, make those ideas into companies. And um, it takes a long time to build these relationships to get the trust of the faculty members. You have to visit them and you have to understand their work. So 50% so of our employees are PhDs. And um, what's I think happened is, you know, the inventions that we see are revolutionary. We have the world's first mass production of insect pheromones. These are the smells that insects release to control insect populations naturally and organically so you don't have to use insecticide. And it increases yields by 10 or 15% at farms or more, depending on the crop type. 
the uh, world's first mass production of a polymer heart valve, a plastic heart valve. This Today, we kill a million cows every year, cut out their hearts, cows and pigs, cut out their hearts and stitch them into heart valves that are put into humans. We don't need to do that. We've invented the world's first plastic heart valve. It's in humans now. The FDA has approved it. It has been in humans for over two years. We're expanding the studies. In a few years, you won't have animal tissue heart valves. They will all be plastic. They last forever. They cost 99% less to make. Um, they have no thrombogenicity, so you don't need to take blood thinners. There's no calcification, so there's no chance of stroke. It's amazing technology. We have the world's first wireless energy company. It's a, we can beam 25 watts of power 30 feet away, 25 watts. The first customer is Motorola and Lenovo, a lot of other companies. But we're looking for venture capital firms that are interested in participating. And um, uh, it would be fantastic to create some partnerships. And if there's any of your listeners out there that are interested, please get in touch with me because... Uh, you know, these companies now, we've been doing this for six years. We have some very advanced technologies that are now in the scale-up mode. And um, it would be wonderful to get some additive uh, partnerships with other firms. I'm sure that in this uh, area that you're focused in on with the scientists and vetting out, you know, new uh, innovations, it's, uh, it's always attraction to the VCs to come in and, and evaluate this. So I'm sure that will happen. Jim. But we're here in L.A., so L.A. is a not you know doesn't have that plethora of of uh, entrepreneurs. I think yet it's growing, of course, and it's doing much well, much better than it was, I think, even five years ago. But uh, but Silicon Valley still has a wonderful group of talented individuals that uh, really can help uh, turbocharge this type of technology. Let's let's move into uh, COVID. Uh, the the pandemic this last year and how that's impacted what's transpiring in the work that you're doing? Well, we are little unusual in that we exclusively work, work with partner universities. So we were significantly impacted. You know, what we do is we actually visit the universities, we visit the faculty members, we fund their research, we hear their presentations. And as you all know, most universities were closed just like our schools. And uh, for better or for worse, you know, uh, a lot of research slowed down uh, until I'd say about six months ago when vaccinations started to pick up. Now the Delta variant is still throwing us for a bit of a curve. But, you know, I think this is a bit of the, um, the seesaw, if you will, of we've got it under control, a variant's going to appear, we'll get a, a, a new vaccination, et cetera, et cetera. So, so while things are better, um, you know, we've things have slowed down and um, and mainly because research at universities slowed down because they were closed. And that's what we support. But now things are opening up and many of the universities are going back to school. Uh, many of them have already opened. A lot more are opening in September. Um, some, I'm sure, will will have some challenges uh, with uh, the vaccine with the covid spreading still. But, uh, but at least I think many people have gotten vaccinated and have a strategy to uh, protect themselves from death. So onward and upward. Yeah, that's we, we live in an interesting world. Uh, five years ago, who would have known? If we, if, 
if we move into uh, the world that when you're not doing this innovation of work, um, are there any projects and hobbies that you're passionate about? A lot, you know, I've, I've um, gotten quite a bit more involved with uh, politics uh, specifically because my concerns around our country are the respect that I think uh, our constitution deserves and the rule of law deserves. So we, we really focus on uh, helping make sure that uh, our political leadership is well-informed and making decisions that are productive to our country. Um, and of course, one of those is our competitiveness, making sure that the United States and the support for our science and scientists uh, is active. Uh, one of our investment committee members uh, who had to resign it was Frances Arnold, the Nobel Prize winner in chemistry. She's now co-chair of uh, President Biden's Scientific Advisory Council, which is a cabinet level position. Um, and while and we're very excited that you know the the executive branch has uh, taken science seriously and uh, understands that it's an important part of our our country's future. In addition, um, you know we have five children. We've homeschooled all five, and our first two are eighteen and are uh, off to college uh, in a year, and uh, they just turned eighteen. And um, uh, we're excited for them. It's been quite a quite an experience, but. You know, um, we had a whole school set up with our own teachers and many uh, uh, venture capitalists and firms from uh, a variety of uh, areas have asked us how we did that because we have a very unusual program. Um, so education is a big part of our family life. You know, the ancient Greeks, the way they did education is you didn't have classes by age. They mixed the ages of students and had a class with older children and younger children. Now, the purpose of that was multifold. They brought young and pe older people together, so the younger children accelerated much faster than they would if they were in a class with their peers. And so we've experimented with this strategy on our own, and I'm, I'm excited to share with your uh, uh, listeners that it's been a remarkable uh, success. We have uh, all of our kids are in advanced universities, including our 15-year-old um, uh, at our top universities, taking things like uh, engineering calculus. And even our 11-year-old is um, uh, uh, taking university uh, courses. And um, our 18-year-olds have won things like science fairs and projects. So it's been a, a wonderful experience, and it's uh, it illustrates to me some of the challenges we as a country have ahead of us, which is how do we revamp education? COVID is never going away. And shutting things down has hurt millions of young people. We can do better. And I think that we can do better by using technologies like we have in business to educate our youth. And we don't have to do it on a school-by-school -school basis. I think we can change the program. We can have the best educators in the be most interesting and complex subjects in the world share their approaches and thoughts and thinking with young people today. Wouldn't it be great if all people in inner cities or uh, privileged people who have been going to the best private schools could access the same brilliant faculty members? I hope that, you know, we can together put together programs to make that possible. So that's a big part of our 
our dream is helping politics and education work together to make a big change in the way we live our daily lives. Well, it sounds exciting, all the programs that you have going on with Kairos uh, Ventures. And uh, are, what, what's next for Kairos? So are you getting ready to launch a, another fund? or You know, it's it's uh, we are. We're doing our, our third fund now. Um, so let me just explain what we, we see, because it's it's uplifting to me, and I hope it will be uplifting to you, Alan, and, and your listeners. Uh, we have found, for example, a metal. It's a new metal that was developed at Jet Propulsion Labs, which is NASA's research arm, which Caltech operates, which is a low-temperature titanium alloy. What they do is it's an amorphous metal. What that means it's not crystalline like a regular piece of steel is, where you know the atomic structure is very organized. And an amorphous metal has a structure that's more uh, um, irregular at a molecular level. And what it does is it has uh, several interesting properties. It has a low melting point. So it melts at only 600 degrees. So it can be a little higher. It can be a little lower depending on the alloys that you use. It has uh, a mirror-like surface. So it's extremely smooth and pliable. So it uh, doesn't need lubrication. So imagine making parts out of metal gears, say, that need no lubrication. And it weighs half as much and it lasts three times longer and it's three times harder than steel. So many industries will be revolutionized by this metal. And so in this case, we actually um, have taken a leadership position to actually open the first manufacturing facilities to build parts out of this metal for dozens of companies. And we're very excited about the implications. We also have the patents. Uh, everything we do is patented at Kairos. And the other thing that we have is we have patents for uh, coatings. So you can actually coat um, the metal, uh, other metals like steel with titanium, which makes it three times stronger. You know, we have uh, uh, new molecules for drugs and treatments of uh, patients and to find cures uh, in a wide range of um, medical uh, challenges where, you know, whether it's a pancreatic cancer, we have one company that actually has 75% of the patients that have been treated with stage four pancreatic cancer patients who are supposed to be dead in 60 days are alive nine months, 10 months later, 11 months later. So uh, exciting technologies. And I think uh, what I what is important is that we, as a society, I think, need to continue to support science. Social networks are a part of our fabric now. They're not going away, they're important. Um, it's how my kids uh, socialize in many ways and uh, have so many friends, even though they're homeschooled. But science makes long-lasting changes that improve the quality of life of all of us. We can reduce the cost of power we have a plasma spark plug out of USC that actually reduces carbon emissions by 25%. And it's retrofitable to all existing cars uh, for a couple of hundred bucks. So you could actually take combustion engines and improve their fuel efficiency by 
these types of innovations are out there, but they take time and effort and they're hard. They're physics, they're chemistry, they're biology, they're nanotech, they're electrical engineering, that they're hard to bring to market. And I, I would encourage all of us to continue to push towards science, make sure our children are educated in science, because it's through science that we will see significant improvements in our quality of life for all of us. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure having you with us today to share what's going on currently at Kairos Ventures. If an individual wants to reach out to you for more information or share things with you, how would they go about contacting you? Sure. My uh, my email is jimd at kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com. jimd at kairosventures.com. And Happy to work together with people to continue to advance science for, for all of us. Very good. Thank Jim, you. it's been a pleasure having you with us today. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it very much.